Hello everybody, my name is Drake Pittman and this is Pass the Jar. Alright everybody, welcome back to Pass the Jar. We have a special guest today. His name is Jonathan Timmons. If you are familiar with the music scene in Walker County, you know him as the frontman of Smashly. He does have a pretty interesting story, hence why he's on the show. But before we dig in, Jonathan, I have us a jar of moonshine right here. This is Mark and Digger's Hazelnut Rum from Sugarlands Distillery. We're going to give it a try, pass the jar, and get into the conversation. Oh, it's sweet. Sweet and a lot of hazelnut. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Sweet is a good description of that. Like oh. you said, probably good in some uh, coffee in the morning. Yeah. Let's put in some coffee. Moonshine and coffee. The Southern cocktail. I, I don't, yeah. I guess, I guess, uh, as you said, that's a, a type of rum. Yeah. Hazelnut rum. Hmm. I guess that's why it's sweet. I mean, rum's always pretty sweet stuff. Compared to the bourbon I've been drinking. Oh, man. All right. So, Jonathan, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate you having me. I'm glad you're here. You were one of the first names I put on my list to have over. That's that's weird. I don't know why. <laughs> you're an interesting <laughs> dude, man. I, love, I loved all the talks we've ever had. So, quick rundown. You were in the military at one point, right? That's right. I was in the Marine Corps. So, what did... What kind of field were you in? What did you I do? I started out in the uh, networking, communications. Mm-hmm. I was a data network specialist um, and uh, hated that. So I volunteered for anything else other than that every time, every opportunity I had. And that kind of start, start defined my career. So were you ever deployed overseas? Yeah, yeah. Talking about uh, volunteering to go. Um, I remember I had just gotten to the fleet. In June, uh, no, that'd be uh, January 2004, um, was there in Camp Pendleton with 5th Marine Regiment, the uh, the most decorated, re- high, highest decorated regiment mm-hmm. in the Marine Corps. Um, so yeah, we were, we were, uh, we had gone up to uh, Bridgeport, California for some mountain warfare training, and uh, we were out in the field, uh, like the third, fourth week, and uh, they're like, hey, bring everybody back to uh, base where we got something going on and uh, they've gotten the whole company around they're like hey we need some guys to volunteer to go to Iraq be uh, provisional infantry run convoys for um, the, a colonel that was doing the uh, sitting up help se- helping set up the Iraqi security forces out of uh, Ramadi with the first marine division so yeah 19 uh, year old Lance Corporal Timmons throws up his hand real quick say let's let's go do something else you were ready to go. I was. It, it, it was a. It was a thing that where I had gotten to a unit that had just gotten back from uh, the initial invasion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they were all, they were all salt, salt dogs is what we called them. You know, they were experienced guys, and uh, and I was ready to get get some too. Yeah. It's along with, uh, it, I mean, there was three other guys, or three other guys in my shop, and probably you know of the twenty one, twenty two of us that went, um, there was probably eight. Com platoon guys, and uh, yeah, so we had, that had never been before. There was maybe, I think there was two oh three uh, grunts with us, but they didn't. I don't think they deployed either. It was everybody's first deployment. Now, being your first deployment, what went through your head? Like, was it like, oh shit, you know, I'm going overseas, shit's about to get real, or was it, let's go, I'm ready, I'm. But you balled up. Oh yeah, like, we were definitely ready to go. Like I said, we we volunteered for this, so it didn't really uh, hit home, I guess. And you know, until we got over into Ramadi and, and ran that first mission, and you know, RPGs started flying. Yeah. So that's when you knew it was, it was real. But you, get, you know, we got back to base. And we're like, let's go again tomorrow. You yeah. Know, it's <laughs> this is what we're here for. So did did you think about home a lot while you were over there? Or were you Strictly focused on the job, we we were very we were very focused, but we had to be because of our uh, mission tempo. We 
we were there for six months and I think we, we ran something like 200, over 200 combat patrols in those six months. So yeah, we didn't have a lot of time to think about home. Uh, we, we moved from Ramadi to Fallujah after Christmas of 2004 into a, a you know, kind of a different role there. Out, just running. No, the same role, still doing the same things every day. Um, mounted patrols, but no, not a lot of time to really uh, worry about home or miss home. Right. So we're not going to go dark. We're, never, we're not going to talk about anything negative here. What were some positive experiences you had over there? I was thinking about that on the way here, and the the positive of that was we all came home alive. Right, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I mean, as a learning experience, it was having a mission and completing it, no matter what obstacles, uh, you know, lay, lay in our way. Um, we, had, we all had our, our jobs to do individually as a Marine, and the individual responsibility, you know, is a, you know, falls upon you, but, you know, it. if you don't do your job, you could get somebody killed. Right. <laughs> I know we said yeah. we're not going to get dark, but that's yeah. that's the truth. So we all relied on each other, and we all took care of each other, and that's, uh, we had we had some good leadership, we had some good good Marines, and we all came home. Did, did you just go to Iraq? Did you get to travel anywhere else? No. See any other places? Uh, no. The only place I ever went to was South Carolina for... Boot camp, North Carolina for weapons, and California. So, California, Iraq. Stopped in a couple, you know, countries to fuel up on the way over there, but, you know, we got off, got off the plane, really. So, what's the bar scene like in Iraq? Was there, was there a bar scene? <laughs> uh, uh, you know, um, no, we, we did not get to go to the bars, but <sighs> the uh, first deployment we got uh, during the Marine Corps birthday, uh, 10th November every year, it's a big, big holiday right around Veterans Day, too, but uh, they did allow us two beers. At the chow hall. So we were supervised to have two beers each. Hey, a beer's a beer, man. It, it <laughs> is. It is. And it, it's funny. It, um, of course, I don't think I don't think I was able to drink those first two beers. I was still 20. I turned 20 in Iraq the, the first trip. I, I Maybe maybe I did have a sip of somebody's beer. I don't... <laughs> did our laws coincide over there as well? Like yeah, yeah, to be 21? yeah. Yeah, you still had to be 21. Even. Oh, man, that's it's a bummer. Thing. I agree with if you're old enough to serve our country, you should be able to drink a beer. Well, especially if you're deployed. Hey, preach. Come on, man. That's <laughs> church right there. So transitioning back to home, what did you see in the future? Like, you know, your contract was coming up. Did you start planning to, for what you were going to do when you came back? Everything was different. Um, everything was different when I come back from Iraq the first time. And I, I, didn't, I didn't really think about the future yet. Um, maybe it was probably during the second deployment where I was there for 12 months in more of a communications role. But yeah, I, I knew, I knew I was getting out and we, we would come home in June of 2007 and my, or I mean, I said again, um, we came home in January of 2007. And I, I was getting out in June 2007. So yeah, I'd already made up my mind that I was getting out and I was going to go to college, you know, so use that GI Bill yeah, and I'd go to Bevel State, figure out what I was going to do and then transfer to a four year. Once I figured out what I was going to do, I was still, you know, like I said, I, I, um, I was always into computers and stuff like that and still am, but, uh, and that was, that was my job, but it wasn't really, I wasn't really enjoying it in the Marine Corps. So when I got out, I kind of opened up right. to more options. So did you try choosing passion and happiness over a career, like your basic career? Or where you wanted to do something where you're like, I'm going to be happy doing this and not going to have any regrets? Or was it, I'm just going to go get my degree and well, be normal? That all changed. And once I did go to school, I realized I hated it. So <laughs> I was working full time. I did have a job, a good job, uh, working um, at a local uh, surveying and um, surface mining business downtown Jasper. Uh, with a lot of good friends, a lot of good friends from high school, and and it was just it was just a good job, you know. So I didn't, I wasn't really worried about the future at that time. I was still 22, 23 years old, um, making decent money, living at home with mom. Mm. So yeah, yeah. So like yeah, I, I didn't, I wasn't even thinking about the future yet. It wasn't until 
I had an offer to go work um, at U.S. Steel um, for a contractor doing infrared, uh, doing uh, infrared camera surveys on steel ladles at you know the night shift because they needed they needed it. Uh, my, my good buddy Greg Smallwood, off, you know, got me the hook up with that job. His manager was a Marine too, so it was it was nice to have that on the resume. And it was kind of a shoe in. So once I once I started doing that, I realized I really liked that, and that's when I started looking at career. I, okay, I can make this career. So you were already cut off for the night shift when you went to work at the sleep lab, didn't yeah, you? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I knew uh, I knew when I when they offered me that one when I was at school needing a part time job. It's like yeah. I can Night shift's never been a problem for me. It takes a special breed, doesn't it? It does. It really does. I think I was talking to, uh, I told you about, about my buddy I was talking to last night, and he was, they were, th- you know, worried about having to go on night shift. It's like, some people can do it. Some people just, some pe- and some people thrive doing it. Like yeah. He was talking about a guy working 15 years. I feel, I don't feel like I could go to a day shift job right now, just yeah. because my body's so accustomed to sleeping through the day. Mm-hmm. So when... You started working in the night shift consistently. Did you feel the changes in your body, like your sleep patterns? Did you feel insomnia? Absolutely. Or um, what we know as hypersomnia. Yeah, yeah. And before, this was way before I know what I know now about yeah. sleep studies, which is a whole other. You know, we'll get to that eventually, I guess. But uh, yeah, I mean, so at working at US Steel, I I, I knew I was gonna make a career of what I was doing at that time. So what exactly did you have to take at Bevel to do the infrared that you do? Well, I didn't take nothing at Bevel. Uh, like I, I went to Bevel for a semester after I got out of the Marine Corps, and I was trying to work full-time too, and that was not working out. Uh, it was the Montgomery GI Bill at the time. I'm not sure if uh, you're familiar with the different types of GI Bills. Mm. Uh, now it's called the Post-911. Uh, and at the time, Montgomery GI Bill paid for 100% of your tuition, but you had no money to live off of. So, you know, you had to work it. You had to work a job, and I was working full time trying to go to school too. It wasn't working, um, so I just quit school. I dropped out. So, when you were in college, were you focused on being happy, or did you want to try to expand your, I guess, fields of what you were interested in? Did you um, ever think on it more than? once no it, i think it was a happiness thing and a quality of life thing where i was i was more happy or happier going to work every day at the time and just making money um cause so I, I worked that job there for three and a half years and eventually bought a house still got the house today and uh you know and went that direction where education took a took a back seat um I had started playing music at the time. I was right about the same time I started playing music. And so I was working full time and playing uh playing gigs every weekend. And uh that's 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 where that's where the happiness was, was coming from was music. That that was brand new to me and it was it was a lot of fun. So we're gonna segue out of the military and education. We're gonna go right into music. Okay. Like I said earlier, if you're from Walker County, you should know who Jonathan Timmons is as far as musicians I really go. I really <laughs> so Jonathan, tell us the name of your band, tell us your roots, etc. Just fill us in on who you are as a musician, other than former military and student. Well, um I, I did I did pick up a guitar while still in the Marine Corps. So that's just going back to that. Uh, and then I started playing uh music with a couple friends from high school in you know, a couple years after I got out of the Marine Corps. So I'm playing playing music now and and really having fun doing that in the bars and and that scene and, and learning um, learning how to play guitar still and to this day I'm still learning how to play guitar. I'm not I'm not a great guitar player, <laughs> but um, so yeah, that was that opened up a lot of a, a lot of uh, I don't know. What I was gonna, I'm not I'm not sure if I'd say opportunities, but the it just opened up a whole another scene and life that I had never even dreamed of doing because I did not grow up playing music. I did not aspire to be a rock star or anything like that, you know, listening to albums or something growing up. You know, I was, I was introduced to music early. And my, my, my father was always a big music guy. 
and uh, you know, turned me on to the Beatles and Skinner and CZ Top, bands like that. I can remember cassettes, just stacks and stacks of cassettes in his truck. But um, so yeah, I, I had been playing music for a couple of years and then started an actual full band with uh, with the guys that are that are known as Smashly and those those four guys that are in that band are some of the most amazing musicians. I agree. Locally. Yeah. And I'll, I'll put that out there. <clears throat> Maybe I'm biased, but I, I swear by it. Those four, to, those four together is like, I'm, I'm in awe every time we get together and just, I can, I can sit back or step away from the microphone and just look and enjoy it. Yeah. Because that's fun. That's, that's, that was, that was, that was, that's a lot of my happiness. Happiness still is, uh, Getting together with those guys because there's a camaraderie there about being in a being in a, being in a band, and uh, it's just a whole nother level. It seems like you know every time I've came to watch you guys, you know we've talked privately before. But it seems like when you step on the stage, you become an animal. Like <laughs> your your on stage persona is. Almost, in my opinion, opposite of who you are as a person because yeah. you're, you're laid back and relaxed. And then you get up on the stage and it's like Hulk Hogan ripping his shirt off. <laughs> and, you know, like, I love it. That's why I love watching you guys because you put on a show every time. Yeah. And so where does that come from? Is that, is that the, is that the happiness spirit it is. animal? It's an, it's, it is, it is an <laughs> incident. It's, it's an adrenaline rush. It's in the intensity. It's, it's just the enjoyment of getting to do that. On a, on a, you know, like on a small scale, we, you know, we, we've never played, you know, anywhere huge or anything like that, other than maybe the foothills, and that was that was probably one of the coolest things I ever got to do was play those first two shows on the side stage at the foothills, and then that third year when we played on the big stage, that was that was awesome. Um, so yeah, where I, I don't even I don't even think I'm that intense. I don't know. I've never ripped my shirt off, but well, <laughs> no Chippendales at your local brewery or venues, but. Metaphorically speaking, that's that's how I see you, man, and I love it. I love watching all of you guys perform, and like I said, I like I said, I agree with you that you have some of the most talented musicians in Walker County as a collective unit. And is that you think is that what propelled you to what I consider the top of the music scene here in Walker County? You know, we're, we're not we're we're not a big pond, but yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, big fish, little pond. Is that, yeah. is that what it is? Yeah, I, like I said, there's just a feeling that that comes with playing in a band and playing a song tight. And when you know it's tight and everybody's, you know, on the same page and the drummer and the bass player are in the pocket together, it's it's just a it's something I can't explain. And you know, I I was talking talking with a, a friend Jim Odom about it not too long ago, and it's like I like playing acoustic and stuff, but I, I miss playing in the band because yeah. that's just a feeling. That. that collective unit. Mm-hmm. Does it kind of take you back to the military as to you feel you feel more comfortable, like you can really push your limits as a team? 100%. One, I've said that before to the guys. It's like, you know, uh, music has always been my hobby, and everybody needs a hobby. Yeah. And and luckily, uh, you know, I was semi-talented enough to, to do music, but there is like a camaraderie and I've referred to those guys as my fire team, you know, before okay. cause it's, you know, they're my, they're my brothers because when you go up on stage together, you're there together. And if you, if you bomb together, you bomb together. If you pull it off, you pull it off together. And that's the feeling. You're, ex- you're exposing yourself for three hours. Most mm. of the time, that's usually the typical length of a gig. Um, do you feel vulnerable? At all, like early, like in your first few gigs, were you nervous? Did you feel vulnerable? And do you still feel that way? Still, I still feel that way. I used to get shakes real bad. I'd get <clears throat> my my knee would get going when we were playing a long time ago. I, I don't get those as much anymore. Um, but I, I mean, I was I was I, listening to the introduction to the podcast, and you mentioned uh, being you know having anxiety and stuff like that. I was when I got out of the Marine Corps, I, you know, the, went saw the VA, went through the VA, and they're like, yeah, you know, here's it's not post-traumatic stress, but you got anxiety and got depression. So here's a bunch of pills or whatever to yeah. take care of it. Now I don't, I don't, and I never mess with those. But good, yeah, because my medicine has always been music, and and playing is like, like I said, 
the, uh, the feeling I get from it is, is enough to, you know, I've keep me down here. Yeah. Like when I like all my equipment came in for this, I got the shakes. I was like, oh, crap, here we go. You know, it's real. I was thinking about boxing it back up and sending it back. So has there, was there ever a time with music where you're like, you pull your guitar out, you got anxious. You're like, okay, I can either tackle this head on with getting up there and playing the show or I'm going to fake like I have strap or something. No, I, and I, I tell you why it's because when, when I, when I set out to do something and, and I, I believe this for, for anybody, you know, you, you got to set yourself a goal, attainable goals and, and, and set yourself a mission. And when you, when you set yourself on that course, um, there will be obstacles and, and, uh, roadblocks in the way from keeping you from there, but you can't quit. Yeah. You cannot quit. You can never stop. You just have to keep going. And if you want it bad enough, you will. And see, that's where people like myself with anxiety, or you know the feeling too, is when you get there, you want to stop, but then you you realize you have this support system around you yeah. to where they're like, keep going. You might push through it. It's either an object or a person. Like, I look at something, I'm like, okay, it's good. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I told... I don't tell this story very often. I had, back in a golf tournament day, I had a putt to win a tournament. It was my first junior tournament that I was going to win, and I missed the putt. I looked over at my dad, and he just had this look on his face like, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) And that's because he believed in me. Yeah. You know, but I let my anxiety get the best of me. And when we get to those scenarios to where we feel like, I'm getting the shakes or yeah. it's hard to breathe. You you tend to back most people tend to back down. But I learned, you know, a solid support system like we both have, it's easier to carry on. It it, it is. It is. And it's it's easier to deal with shakes or short of breath than it is to wish that you know, or and it's easier uh, what am I trying to say here? That had you had you quit? That's that's a failure that 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 would be more uh, you know worse than just pushing through it. Yeah, taking a deep breath, getting up there. So what? You stutter. So what? You you know you stumble across some words. You got up there and you did what you were supposed to do, and 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 you did something that you're better for. Yeah, I feel like when I after I finished recording the first episode, I felt like I jumped over a wall. Yes, and I was like, okay, it's out of the way. That's what I told everybody was, it's out of the way. The feeling of the accomplishment yeah. is way more rewarding than the feeling of... Regret. Well, I'm glad... Yeah, regret. Well, I'm glad I didn't do that. Yeah. I'm glad, nobody ever said that. There's so many <laughs> things I look back on where I let myself get in the way that I didn't accomplish that I wished I would have accomplished because who knows where I'd be. You know, I'm glad... I'm happy to be where I'm at, but you kind of always have that what if in the back of your head. You know, with... Did I miss up the pass up the chance to go here? Did I pass up the chance to do this? Mm-hmm. You know, where would I be if I did that? But that also, I live with no regrets. Right. You know, I've always said, I always predicted I was going to die like 25. Yeah. I'm still here, so yeah. I'm doing okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, Same. I was like, yeah. I'm going to go out in a, right. a ball of blaze of glory somehow, some way, because I did something reckless. But my anxiety is probably what kept me alive, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. Um. So do you always see... When your anxiety sets in, did you always see the reward as being greater than the risk? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think that's what I was just trying to say. So I hope that that did get across. But So back to music. Let's, no risk, no reward. Yeah. We're having a sock session here. <laughs> uh, so back to music. Did When you and Smashley formed, did how hard was it for you to get gigs? Was it pretty natural? Was it easy? No, because we set ourselves up to take a hard path we knew when we got together we all said we don't want to play the same old garbage that everybody's playing just to get a gig you know the breaking benjamin yeah i, was, <laughs> I, mean, I guess it was a lot of that at the time but i mean there's still it was the the journeys and you know just that and i'm not i don't want to come off sounding like a pretentious you know 
thing person here. You say what but, you yeah, want to, man. Yeah, pretentious assholes. What I was trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you'll have to edit that out. But it's okay. Bleep me if you need to. Um, Apple already has it listed as explicit. <laughs> Sweet <laughs> technology. But um, um, we just knew we weren't going out. We wanted to play what we wanted to play and see how it went. And, and if people, ex- you know, liked that and accepted it and loved it, that was enough. You know, if if three people came up to us at the end of the show and said, I can't believe y'all played that. I never hear that song. And I'm so glad y'all did. We did our job that night. because And that was that was enough reward to, you know, to just play the local clubs and the local bars to, you know, the, the, our friends every night or every weekend. That's always been enough for me. Like like I said, going back to, I never aspired to be a, a rock star or a mission, you know, or some, or, or, you know, just some great mission to, you know, to put out, put out there. Um, but it's always been enough playing with Smashley, just playing what we want to play and play, playing some old hits that you don't hear every, every now and then. But people like them. People like those songs. So yeah, it's it's always been hard to get gigs. It still is. Yeah, we, we still play the local stuff and and that's that's enough for me yeah do you now if you think back to the days when we were younger and all the people the bands we would see in the bars and stuff like they're non-existent you don't see them very often anymore like when you look at how long you guys have been playing together is consistency the key for you do you think absolutely? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you know playing what we want to play and playing the stuff that keeps us happy uh, is the reason we're going on ten years as a band. You don't see that very often these days. No, no, no. Even most of the bands that I remember seeing where people were forking out two grand for them to come in. Yeah, you couldn't tell me where those guys are right now. I couldn't tell you where they're at. I mean, and we're for the most part the, the same lineup as we've always been. You know, maybe two guys, but we've swapped in and out even when. When life gets in the way, and you know, so. But even the best bands have had, yeah, a few swaps, right? Now and, and that's just just part of being a band. Yeah. Um, when you guys look back at what you've accomplished as a band, is there something where you'd look and be like, "Okay, we could have done a little better." Is there any moments like that, or are you one hundred percent happy with every single set you play? I don't want to speak for. For everybody in the band, right? Speak um, for yourself. I, I I wish we would have written and recorded more. Uh, written more when we were writing songs. We you know we had busted out like four or five real quick, and then we had did that for Foothills, and then we kind of stopped writing. And that's something this year that uh, myself and Jonathan Guthrie have have taken on to. That's that's the mission for 2020 is write some more Smashly songs. And hopefully have them ready by the end of the year, but uh, I shouldn't have said that. No promises, I, <laughs> you know. But that is the mission. That that's that's something I I, I do want to hold myself accountable to, and I have written um, some ideas and some outlines for some stuff that I keep on my uh, notepad and on my, on my on my computer. I've you know I've I've sat in writing rooms with musicians before. I've seen those guys sit there and sling a notepad across the room because they can't figure the rest of the song out. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. It it is the hardest thing I've ever done. And trying to make myself do that one over and over again, talk about success and failure, try writing a song. Yeah, That's what one of my friends that's a songwriter, he said, the hardest thing in the music business to me is putting my feelings on paper in poetic fashion. Mm. And he's like, that's why it's so freaking hard. Yeah. So, because you could write down a bunch of words. Yeah. But they don't mean anything. You, you're going to sound like some rambler, I guess. Yeah. Add a tune to it. Yeah. But you want it to make sense. You want it to relate to somebody else because as an artist, you only know, I only know a few artists that have come out and said, I'm doing this because it's me. Like, I want, I want I'm expressing myself. I don't care if I reach out to anybody else. So, when you're writing a song, are you trying to keep your audience in mind? Or. Are you just trying to right now, get your feelings out? I'm just right now. I'm just trying to write a song. <laughs> Maybe I should look at it that way. I get some feeling out. But you're going back to what you're talking about, and your your buddy was talking about putting your feelings down on, on a piece of paper or, or in words. That's tough. That is so tough to 
get inside of your own head. Sometimes I'm scared to. Some and and I think it, we all are. Yeah. And that you know, um, because you might be opening a Pandora's box of stuff you don't want to talk about. You, you might trigger something that hasn't been brought up in a long yeah, time. You know, like you said, thank God we're past twenty five now yeah. because that was the you know the, the age that all the the great musicians were killing yeah. off. You know, dying off. So. Along with writing the lyrics, is it hard to come up with melodies, or do you, or do you do yeah. do you have the melodies and riffs laid out before you write lyrics and try to match them up, or vice versa? It's 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 worked. I think each song we have written has has worked a little differently, but at the same time, we've all been present and in that writing session where we're 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 doing it live, <laughs> you know as. The song is pretty much being written. The melody is being written at the time, and I think I've gone back and written words each time after after the song was written. Right, just it made sense to fit and then, into the melody. Yeah, and then maybe there was some tweaks and you know, yeah, uh, stuff like that after the fact. But so one final question about the music business: when when you play your originals at shows, are you more nervous about your originals or playing a cover? In your own sound. Oh, God, yes. Well, way more nervous about the original music, but also way more rewarded when that song is finished and, and done to perfection. Yeah. Like, that. that's, a, that's you know, going back to the feeling of success. And that's a small success right there is playing your song, you know, our song, especially song, in front of people and having them react to it in a positive way one of the greatest rewards there is to play music. See, most of the time, you know, I've seen opening acts or somebody just playing their own gig, you know, solo or with a smaller band. It seems like people almost tune you out when you do originals because they're like, we're here to hear the covers. And I think that's what's wrong with people going to shows is you're like, okay, we're going to play you an original as we're closing out. That's when everybody freaking leaves or starts talking. You're like, shut up. I'm trying to tell you how I feel, man. Right. (laughs) You know, <clears throat> is that something you're paranoid about? If I didn't already just create the paranoia, that's yeah, that's that's the classic, you know, uh, conundrum of live music, especially locally. Is everybody's out there to to hear the hits, you know, and to party and have a good time. There's there's a good original music scene in Jasper, but publicly and from a business standpoint, financially. They only want you to play the hits, so they can sell beer and and get everybody Keep drunk and make there. yeah yeah. <clears throat> Which I understand, you know, coming from a, as a business standpoint, I understand that too. So that's just like I said, uh, uh, the the way it is, and I I think I think um, it's gotten better around Jasper. I think there are way more opportunities to play uh, original music than there used to be. Uh, thank God for open mic nights. Um, I really, really hate to hear. I just heard that Garfield's is not doing their open mic anymore. That's been going for years, man. Mace, Mason just told me about that yeah. last week. Well, and then I was, I was getting back to that. Thank God for for Mason and and Twisted Barley who have um, accepted local musicians and original music and. Uh, Brought in Andrew Brassfield to host a, a a great open mic night that's only been getting better and better. Yeah. See, that's what we were talking about <clears throat> on the last interview was, you know, when Mason and I talked about starting an open mic night. The first night that I hosted, it was awesome. It was packed out. And then my work schedule changed. Yeah. And I couldn't go anymore. I was like, well, that was fun while it lasted. But the people you heard playing, pouring out their souls on the stage yeah. with their own music. I was like, why are these people not getting booked? Well, and, because they're playing original, <clears throat> original music. And usually, you know, when you ask somebody, would you like to play a show? They're like, oh, I don't have a full set. You know, and that's where learning some covers every now and then, that's okay too. And we, as a county, have some, of, even I know some of the best musicians I've ever seen. You know, like, there's so many hidden gems here, and it's just because we have this stigma, I guess, about Walker County, you're not going to really make it out. Yeah. And 
they probably feel that way in a, in a sense to where they don't put themselves out there. And I think that's what the open mic night brings to fruition is these people finally putting themselves out there. Yeah. Because that's a step. They're like, I can just go plug in my guitar, play a song and be done. You know, the anxiety of playing a whole show is not there. You go play a couple of songs, sit and drink a beer with your friends, you're done. So do you think the, like you've already expressed how you feel about the open mic night. Do you think we should have more of those around the county? Like, do you think we have plenty? Yeah. Unfortunately, I've always thought that one open mic night a week is probably enough. It, yeah, I agree. And is Twisted Barley the only one still pulling as up? As far as I know. Shout out to you, Mason. Yeah. Keep it going, dude. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where it needs to be, I, I feel like. And uh, hope, for the, hope for the best. All right. So now that we're done talking about music, because I feel like we could sit here and talk about music forever. Yeah, we're pretty current, I think. You, you recently became an entrepreneur. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So tell us. What inspired you to, like, all right, screw big business. I'm going to go into it for myself. Well, I'll take it back to the success and the failure. Um, going back to uh, learning infrared back in 2010 uh, there at USDL in Fairfield, I knew that I was enjoying uh, that kind of work. I'd gotten to the electrical side of it and uh, was learning a lot from uh, from guys I worked with and just from doing it every day. Uh you know what it take to be to be a thermographer is the term. Mm-hmm. I am a certified thermographer, which is like a photographer, but yeah. you know, I use thermal camera. So uh, I was there doing it for two and a half years, and um, started looking at that career move, that next career move, because I, I had uh, asked, I had gone to uh, the boss at the time, I had taken over uh, as the lead thermographer role, and was doing that pretty, you know, uh, regularly. Taking all that responsibility on, I'd taken on way more responsibility than uh, you know previous years, and I, and I went to him. I asked for a raise. You know, sometimes you got to do that. Yeah. And uh, he asked me, "Why do I think I deserve a raise?" And so I told him, "You know, just everything I just told you." He's like, "Well, write me up a, um, you know, two page, two page paragraph, or, or just a couple paragraphs of why you deserve a raise." It's like, okay, sure thing, Roger that. <laughs> because I just do, okay? Yeah. <laughs> well, I never did write that two-page paragraph. Uh, I had an opportunity to come up on a job board, and it was for a full-time thermographer, uh, traveling, a company out of Chicago. I applied. The guy called me, um, asked asked me you know, how much it would take for me to come work for him um, because he saw that I had, again, I had Marine Corps on the resume, and he was a former Marine. And he's like, you know, I want you to come work for me. I gave him a number. He's like, he countered. I was like, yeah, that's way more way more than I'm making right now. Let's do this. Yeah. So I went to work for them doing uh, infrared across the world. Took me uh, all over the West Coast to uh, states in, in the Midwest I'd never been to. I'd say Midwest, but it's really Montana and, and uh, Wyoming, some of the most beautiful country I've ever been to. And uh, yeah. went through Hawaii. Went out to Hawaii. Oh, that's dope. Doing infrared working there for three weeks, and then jumped over across the Pacific to Australia for three weeks, and worked in Australia just staying at these like five star hotels, Sheridan hotels. Yeah. <laughs> while I'm doing the uh, business, so it was it was great. I was 29 at the time, I think, and uh, come back. Went up to Alaska for a few weeks, uh, and then. Um, I finished up, I had a two month job in the UK and Ireland. And, um, at this point I'd been traveling and doing infrared 14 months and I'd been home maybe one, one month, two months of that year. Mm. I was really missing home. I was really, really missing playing music. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe how much I missed playing music. I bought a guitar in Australia, just acoustic to carry around with me while I was driving for a month. I wish I'd have brought it back. I, I, I hate I didn't bring that guitar back. Should have learned the didgeridoo. Could you imagine the didgeridoo? <laughs> Can you imagine? This sucks, the opportunities. <laughs> I can figure it out. I can figure it out. But uh, yeah, um, so like I said, I was getting burnt out. So I was in uh, I was in England at the time and uh, checked out. Started checking out the job boards again and and uh, found a uh, opportunity for a, a lead thermographer position back at US Steel, but for a different contractor and. Uh, 
you know, took that leap and made another career move. Uh, this time they offered me and I countered and I got what I wanted. Oh. So it was, it was like the greatest feeling in the world. They're like, all right. I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, uh, see you in two weeks when I get back from England. So went back to, uh, went back to U.S. Steel in Fairfield and, uh, something that, something that got in my, uh, helped me get that job too was, uh, my resume again. I'd put some references, uh, on some, on my resume of a couple guys I'd, I'd met that worked for U.S. Steel and they gave me a great reference. I'll never, I'll never forget. I, that was a good feeling, you know, saying, uh, the guys that hired me, they're like, hey, we talked to your references and they highly recommended you. That's a great feeling. Yeah. You know, that, that makes you feel accomplished. Like, all right, you worry about doing a job, but when you get that, Confirmation, success. I'm okay. I'm what succeeding. I do. <laughs> I'm succeeding. Yeah. yeah, that's this is a good thing. So, so not only you were you were happy, you were getting to see the whole freaking world. Oh, it was, it was a great time to be. I just turned thirty years old. So you saw you saw more of the world before you were thirty than most people see in their entire lives. I saw most. I saw more of Australia than most Australians have seen. I had an Australian guy tell me that. <laughs> Did you see any animals that would kill you? Uh, like right off the bat, no. Went by, uh, well, did. we went out to uh, the golf course, and the the um, Mac guy that was with me is like, "Yeah, hey, we gonna go out here looking for you know Crocs. He's already out here on the seventeenth <laughs> hole." And I was like, "Yes, let's do this. I'm bringing the camera." Yeah, you know. But I uh, didn't see any, unfortunately. Uh, I I do remember uh, a couple snakes and some electrical boxes, but uh, I was he he was ready. Like he he was opening up the boxes, and I, I remember going to their shop the first day, and they had a giant snake skin oh, or no. across the wall bigger than this you know, see that's what i'm checking out right bro. here <laughs> so <laughs> i knew i was with the right people if they were knocking those guys off so when did you decide to or when did you go into business for yourself okay yeah so getting get to that uh i took the job back here in the states and i was there for four months as a lead guy and got laid off mm. yeah um corporate america right so um that was that was that was a big punch in the gut, and uh, I going back, you know, thinking back about it now, I wish I would have reacted differently to to being laid off. The guys they offered me a job in Michigan, but I didn't want to go up there, um, so I just uh, laid off work for a year, burnt through some savings, collected unemployment, uh, played a lot of music, but not having that financial security of of a, of a career that I was thought I was being successful in mm. that hurt. That was, that was a big setback. Even that sense of feeling like I'm doing something good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I rebounded probably like the nine, 10 months after that. It's like, all right, I'm going back to school. Thank God for the GI bill. Now it's better. It's yeah. The, it's the post nine 11 GI bill. Kind of like what we were talking about earlier. This, this was a, a, uh, a better opportunity that allowed me to go to school full time. And also, you know, it, it paid me enough to to survive on, you know, food and, and cost, cost of living stuff. So I did that. Went to Bevel State. Went back to the, elect, went to elect, went to the electrical school. I did have to go th- through six months of uh, um, basics because I never finished. But I enjoyed it, man. I, I, enjoyed, like, I was digging it. I was way more committed as, as a 31-year-old as opposed to being 22 and fresh out of the Marine Corps. I knew what I wanted to accomplish, and that was to get a degree in electrical mm-hmm. because I had that experience under my belt and that stuff that I enjoyed. So, yeah, and so going, uh, doing those, like, I think I had three basics, and while I was taking those basics, I was also taking some electrical classes too. But, man, I'll never forget, um, my favorite my favorite class I took at Bevel was uh, Human Communication with uh, Bill Watt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 not a class, you know, I thought that was just going to be a class that you had to take. It's one of those classes that everybody, it's public speaking. Yeah. It, you know, it's just the different it's version of public speech. speaking. Speech. Yeah, speech. Yeah. It's speech, yeah. So, and, and, you know, everybody always hated that class. So, and I was, I was in it, I was enjoying it. Um, giving a speech, you know, every other month. And I, like, I still get nervous. I was up there and I was shaking, you know, still, you know, <clears throat> stumbling through, uh, an explanation of my thoughts on, oh man, what was it? Uh, a couple different ones. Uh, Stonehenge was my first speech. <laughs> it was like a historical speech. The second one was like an opinion. Like It was like uh, females in the military in a combat role. 
Mm-hmm. Arg- it was an argument. An ar- argument for it, but at, at, a, at a, you know, at a cost, whatever. Yeah. Hold other. I don't know if I want to get into that again. <laughs> we, can, we can have a whole episode based off that. It was a good speech. I'm very, very proud of it. So when you finished school, yeah. you were like, I'm doing this. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. You, you set a bullseye and you weren't accepting anything other than a bullseye shot. Yeah. Right? I, I knew I wanted to be independent and work for myself. Cause work, cause work for the man sucks. Yeah. Everybody hates working for the man. <laughs> so yeah, I, uh, I ended up getting like, I was really enjoying uh, Bevel State. I, I, I started working there as a TA as, as well to finish up. Uh, I had some extra GI Bill money, so I, I went ahead and got a second degree. I got it. Associates of Electrical and Associates of Industrial Systems, something like that. And I remember somebody, somebody was just kidding me about it. Like, hell yeah, man, you're going to be the first one to graduate Bevel with a bachelor's degree. <laughs> <laughs> My parents gave me so much crap about Wallace. They're like, if you stay there any longer, they're just going to give you whatever you want. Yeah, yeah just like, get out of here. No, but uh, so yeah, I was uh, you know, working two part-time jobs as a TA and as a Polysomnographist. Polysomnographer? Polysomnographer, okay. But un- Polysom who? That's what I get most of the time. I'm like, I'm a sleep tech. <laughs> but uncertified. I was just a, you know, an enthusiast. Sleep study. Don't ever take that test unless you just absolutely <laughs> want to do it for a long time. No, no. I'm, I'm talking to David Davis. I knew that's not that I was going to get into. I knew um, I should probably step out and really... Uh, Test myself and uh, take on a take on a full time job again. And I was looking at it. I, d- I didn't know I was going to be an entrepreneur per se or or uh, you know work for myself. I was looking at opportunities and and the right one came along. I, I weighed my options and this one came along that I've taken on, taken on. Which I'm technically a 1099 employee for. I'm a subcontractor is yeah. what it is. I got a good contract with the company that's uh, uh, that was growing and needing uh, an independent thermographer. In the southeast, so, so here I am. You kind of get to lay out your price. I, I, well, yeah, we negotiated a contract for for a price, and what I really get to do though is is pick my jobs, pick when I want to work, pick when I don't want to work. Yeah. I say no, I can't work that Friday. I got a gig. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, you've that's my other work. <laughs> hey, I'm playing tonight. Sorry, I need, yeah, I need yeah. to rest my voice. Um, playing or traveling all over the world. Ever since you've started your own business, have you gotten to travel anywhere else? Have you been sent to any places, any states? Well, just local stuff. You know, I went down to, just got back from Baton Rouge and worked in Nashville at the end of the year. I enjoyed that. The dopest city in it the is, South. You know, I just, I never really liked Nashville up until last year, like last, last two months ago when I went up there and I was working by myself and, which is part of the job. I, that doesn't bother me at all anymore um but uh you know i'd go to dinner by myself every night and i uh, and sit at the bar and have a drink and go back to the hotel and meet people but i I get to meet people and i met this beautiful couple there in nashville and that really turned my uh favor on the city isn't it crazy how friendly most people are they were were great i mean we went up there for my bachelor party and Everybody was like talkative. And you just have to congratulatory. You just, you just have to uh, uh, avoid the touristy spots. Yeah, that's what I that's what I would recommend. So we get tell, off get off Broadway. Yeah, you know that's where you meet the the cool people. Yeah, like our uh, Uber driver was from the Ivory Coast. Oh wow, we talked about football, soccer, nonstop. Yeah, so that's obviously if you if you haven't been you'll you see you see my room. It's nothing but soccer. Yeah, like so we talked about football. And I was like, okay, I'm having a good conversation with somebody that's not a Southerner. Mm-hmm. Most people think Southern hospitality, like, you kind of grow into it. It's the greatest experience <clears throat> there is, yeah. is talking to somebody different than you, talking to somebody who's from somewhere else than you, and just having a conversation with them and listen. And, you know, just uh, traveling, it's next traveling, it's the greatest experience I yeah. could. I could ever offered anybody i agree because <clears throat> you know obviously growing up in the south conser- raised conservative christian i moved around to all these places and i developed a tenderness in my heart for people that were different than me 
all of a sudden, I like talking to people that were different than me better than I like talking to people that were just like me. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, it strengthened my con- conversational skills because Absolutely. I learned to think before I spoke. I learned to care about the other people and the way they thought or and listen to their views. So traveling the world the way you have, did you also learn that way by like just talking to people? No doubt. No doubt. Um, like, like I was trying to say, you know, uh, the experience of, of traveling, it's uh, the best way for, for anyone to grow as, as a human being. It's like you were saying, to, to talk to someone and listen and think about what they're saying. Because you put their, you, you do, you, you put yourself in, in their shoes. You try and see where they're coming from and why, why their opinions on are on a, a certain topic be, yeah. because of where they came from. I think there's that's why there's so much animosity between everybody these days. I don't care what your political side is, like because we're not willing to talk. Yeah, and social media is toxic. a toxic echo chamber of you know of the, just just that it's an echo chamber. So. We have to use it, me and you. I, I, we have to use social media to uh, market our brands, our podcasts, our bands, our business. But I hate it. There's no way around it, man. I would I would hire a marketing or PR person tomorrow if I could, just to so I wouldn't have to deal with it. Right. And that's <clears throat> like I'm not. I don't want to. I'm not getting political on this podcast at all. That was my number. That was like that's far as we. I think it's yeah. just a more of a church. Oh, yeah. against social media. <laughs> when, <laughs> when no, I'm just saying. You know, based off our the conversation, like number one on my list was not political, and I put that in all caps. Mm. So that's when I was putting my no nos. Yeah. You know, and but you know, speaking with other cultures, religions, even people that think the w- differently than the way I do it it's better for you as a person in my opinion yeah Be- tying this all back together going back to Smashley you know I got I got my uh, guitar player Josh Abel hired there and he works there with David Davis now and he's he's good too he I mean David Davis taught him taught him the ropes and Josh yeah. Josh really took to it everything I learned was from those two up there I'm not going to mention their names too much but Everything I well, learned. I mean, we've already said their yeah. name a hundred times. David Shout and, out Chris Lockhart. Yeah, David and Chris. <laughs> uh, everything I learned, like the way to approach a patient and the way to be better at what I did was because of those two. And those two, and I don't I don't categor- categorize most of the people in my life, but those two are two of the best humans I know. And... Because of them, I became a better sleep tech, but I also became a better person. And my conversations with David Davis were like, we could just go down rabbit holes. Yeah. And next thing you know, it's like five o'clock in the morning. Right. Time, time to go to Jack's for yep. the patients, you know? Yep. And <laughs> that's what I loved about it. And that's why I want to inspire everybody listening, and obviously you do too, was talk to somebody different than you. Yes. Not be. only does it help your anxiety, because... You're you're nervous about stepping on their toes. You're like, am I going to say something that's going to piss these people off? And they probably think you the could. same thing. You could if you oh, were yeah. if you were a real dick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people did it catch you that time. People, people, people. Other people are the same way. You know, they're like, do I want to take this guy off? And realistically, you can have a decent conversation without crossing the line. You can. It's easy to do. It really it's, it's, very it's way easy. harder to you know, make a conversation uncomfortable than it, than it is to actually have a have a good conversation. See and that's where we were going going back to social media, everybody you'll share something Abrasive that's fake. Immediately. Yeah. You'll oh. share something that's fake. Hot you'll, take, hot take, hot take. You'll you'll cross the extreme where you're like, Oh, you're alt right or you're all left and I'm like, why can't we just Post memes, man. Post memes and songs, <laughs> you know, and it's toxic. I that's why I've gone to like. I'm trying to be better. I, I know I I I used to speak way too much, uh, be way too opinionate, opinionated, and I'm trying to be better. So that's I did I too. Do. That's my New Year's resolution for 2017. I haven't heard 
2000, no, 2018, because I haven't done it since, or like a resolution, because mm-hmm. they're BS anyway. Um, I was like, I'm not going to be political on social media unless something's just absolutely hilarious. That's your goal. Yeah. And I've accomplished it so far. Yeah. I'm proud of myself. Um, cause I used to be like, yeah, 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 whatever side I'm rooting for, cause I'm not going to put my political opinions out there. Um, if you know me, you know where I stand. But it was like, I'm, be- I'm, th- I'm running off friends that have opposing views as I am. And I'm being a toxic human. I was like, holy shit. Like, people don't like me. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm stopping, you know, like, I'm not going to be political. I'm just going to be a good person. Yeah. Am I going to bug you with sharing Fall City's post or Smash Lee's post or this podcast post? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, but I don't. If that's the most trivial thing you can put on your Facebook, then, you know, share it. Share it every hour, brother. It's no longer a political forum. Yeah. You know, so back to we went down a rabbit hole. That's okay. That's what happens when you bring friends on the show, people, but it's okay. I was just thinking about thinking about that, like. You know, we, we we've kind of been, we've covered, we've covered a lot of topics. We've kind of been random, but I don't think I would want that to be any other way on my, on the episode that I'm no, on. It's that's not, who I am. I it's mean, not boring. I, I I I guess I'm a little ADD. Somebody you know? somebody's probably in their car having church about social media right now. Maybe. Like these guys are speaking the truth. I hope so. Uh, that's what I hope too. Or you've inspired some inspired them to travel the world, to speak to other people, play music. That'd be great. I think. There's so much people could learn from you as a person, and there's so much musicians could learn from Smashley as a band. Consistency is key. Practice. Practice is key, too. That, we practiced so much when we started out. We were we were there every week. We were there literally every week, and, and it did end up burning one of our guys out. And like I said, we replaced him, but later on, we, we he, he came back, and, and uh, you know, but we, we, had, we had put the work in. Yeah. We had put the work in. So, once again, this is Timmons, Jonathan Timmons of Smashly of Timmons Infrared, LLC. He took many leaps, folks. He took a lot of leaps. Took a lot of balls. Put himself out there. Himself out there. Sorry. I hate using improper grammar. Um, if you ever see him at a Smashly show, talk to him. He's a good conversation. Hence why we're, we've talked for so long. But Timmons, I want to thank you for coming on, dude. Before we go, I have a quick 30-second series of questions. Okay. Okay. They're called the last shots. All right. What I told Mason was, if you lose, you get nothing. If you win, you you get nothing. It's just to let people know quickly who you are, what you like, what you like to do. So I'm going to set my timer real quick. It's just a quick blast of questions. Nothing deep. Oh, nothing okay. nothing serious. Okay, I'm getting, I'm getting anxious. I'm getting oh, anxious here we again. go. Yeah. We discussed mental health, and <laughs> Timmons is getting a tick in his eye over here. But these <laughs> are the last right. shots. They're very basic questions. All right, and favorite Walker County restaurant? Ooh, Black Rock. Favorite musician? Pink Floyd. Uh, is it bands count? Yeah, bands okay. count. Favorite movie? Oh, uh... Oh, I, Star Wars. Favorite book? The One Left Behind. Ooh, and you're done. <laughs> and that's the last shots with Jonathan Timmons, folks. Uh, Jonathan, I want to thank you again so much for devoting your time. Hey, thanks a lot, for this I, I really enjoyed this. Yes, really sir. I'm glad to have you on. Tell people real quick about your next gig. Uh... Oh yes, I know what it's. I know where yes. it's going to be. I'm so but... glad you asked me. Old sixty four birthday party, anniversary party. It's going to be uh, our show. Will be from eight to ten o'clock at Twisted Barley, and it is nineties themed. There's like dress up costume, uh, you know, contest going on, and uh, Smashley's playing your favorite nineties alternative hits, and we're we're pretty uh, pretty excited about some songs we're picking up right now. So it's gonna be fun. Make sure you come out to that. We'll be there eight p.m. And where they where can they find Smashley's socials as well as your personals uh, if they want to follow you? Smashley is Facebook.com slash drink Smashley. Uh, Instagram and Twitter is at Smashley Rocks. Um, 
personal Twitter page is uh, it's at Alabamsis. That's A-L-A-B-A-M-C-I-S. People ask me all that. Why Bamsis all the time? Bamsis is a Marine Corps acronym. So yeah. All right. That was clever. Well, there you go, folks. There's his socials. There's what's going on in his life. We hope to see you next time on Pass the Jar, and y'all have a good one. See y'all.